Our New Testament reading comes from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 3, beginning with verse 22. Now, before faith came, we were held in custody and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came, so that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian, for in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for all of you are one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ Jesus, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before the sermon, let me note that a few days ago, uh, the title of this sermon was, as is printed in your bulletin, All in the Family. That was then, this is now. When I entered seminary, I was confronted by a phrase, justification by grace through faith. Everywhere I went, it seemed that people just sort of tossed it off. Justification by grace through faith. Justification by grace through faith. Justification by grace through faith. It was this seminary thing. We didn't have a fight song, but we had that phrase. And I was pretty sure that if I didn't master it, they might not let me stay. Most of my classmates, cradle Christians, preachers, kids, religion majors, they all already knew this phrase. But I, long unchurched, second career seminarian, I had to get busy. I stared at the phrase's five words, eager to use them, terrified I would use them incorrectly. Justification by grace through faith. Hmm. Noun, preposition, noun, preposition, noun, and oh, look at that. The prepositions are in alphabetical order and the nouns are in reverse alphabetical order. <laughs> yes, that was the depth of my ignorance. I had to learn theology through mnemonic devices. But so, I got the phrase memorized, but I still had no actual idea what it meant. I had no idea that justification means being brought into right relationship with God. I had no idea that grace is defined as God's unmerited favor. And I didn't have much of an idea that faith is trust in God, confidence in God. I nailed the phrase, by golly, but I had absolutely no idea why it mattered to me. I certainly couldn't have imagined that it would also matter to every one of you. The phrase followed me through seminary, cropping up in church history class, in ethics class, it was all over theology classes. The phrase made a cameo appearance in Old Testament studies. 
See, in the book of Genesis, Abraham believes God's promise, and God considers that. Not the law, which had yet to be given, not circumcision, which had yet to be practiced, but just that belief. God considers that what will make Abraham righteous. Justification in Genesis. And then we certainly encountered this phrase in New Testament classes. The Apostle Paul, once a ruthlessly rigorous stickler for the law, which found, had found in that Abraham story a mind-blowing new understanding of life as a child of God. So it was while studying Paul's writings that I finally got some glimmer of understanding of this phrase, justification by grace through faith. And this morning, as we consider Paul's letter to the Galatians, perhaps we can tease out why that special phrase really does matter to us all. First, we need to grasp something of what is going on with that church in Galatia or as a friend of mine memorably, memorably called those people, those blockheads in Galatia. Apparently, Paul, great missionary to the Gentiles, had visited that pagan region, taught the locals about Jesus Christ, baptized a bunch of believers, and then moved on to evangelize elsewhere. In his wake, however, other teachers had started preaching that in order to be Christians, these Gentiles must first become Jews, like Jesus and his first disciples. They had to obey the law of Moses and be circumcised. Well, when Paul gets wind of this, he pretty much flips out. Most of his letters open by emphasizing how beloved the people are. Galatians begins with, I am astonished. <laughs> What upsets Paul so much is that if you emphasize obedience to the law, you are focused on a whole bunch of stuff that we are supposed to do in an effort to win God's approval. That's problematic because there is no way anyone can do enough to earn something as inestimable as God's love. If that's what's required of us, then we are pretty much toast. Furthermore, obeying the law puts the emphasis on us, on our actions, and salvation comes only from God. It's not about what we do. It's about what God does. Now, it's not that Paul thought the law was bad. He didn't, and it wasn't. In fact, the law was necessary. As Paul points out in today's text, the law guarded and guided. It instructed and it helped us see all the bad stuff we were doing. But while the law could condemn us every time we fell short of all of its requirements, it couldn't heal us or save us or forgive us or redeem us. It shaped through discipline, not through love. Plus, there was just no way we could do it all right. And so Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. 
And in so doing, Jesus has ushered in a whole new day and this whole new way of living with God. The old, externally obvious distinctions between people no longer matter. We no longer have to be pulled apart by labels that divide people, Jew versus Greek, slave versus free, male versus female, and I'm sure I don't have to say aloud all the divisive labels we know are roiling 21st century existence. You can fill in the blanks with your own pair of this versus that, and then as soon as you do, hear this text. The only identifier that matters is Christ. There is no longer all that other stuff because, writes Paul, all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And how is that the case? Well, Paul asserts, in Christ Jesus, we are all children of God through faith. Children of God. How did we, we who do not trace our DNA back to Abraham, how do we become children of God? Elsewhere in his writing, the Apostle Paul actually names it adoption. You know, when I mentioned that I started to comprehend the phrase justification through grace, by grace through faith, you see, I, just, I came to an understanding of that thanks to a New Testament class. Well, that class was taught by David Bartlett, the only professor I could never call by his first name. <laughs> Although when telling my Lord of the Rings-obsessed sons about Dr. Bartlett, I did refer to him as Professor Gandalf. He was tall and angular. There was something about the eyebrows. <laughs> anyway, Dr. Bartlett was not only an extraordinary scholar, but he was a wonderful storyteller. And he told about a couple he knew whose family included their biological child as well as their adopted child not remembering the names, I'll call the kids George and Martha. When the time came to tell Martha that she was adopted, the parents nervously explained to her that although George had been born into their family, she had been sought and selected, wished for and welcomed home. Martha took it all in and finally exclaimed, that is so nice. We should adopt George, too. <laughs> in his letter to his bulky but beloved church in Galatia, Paul is insisting that everyone, whether Jew or Gentile or anything else, we are all equally welcomed into God's family. Talk about grace. So, how are we doing with this special phrase, justification by grace through faith, and with why it matters to us? Well, we've considered that we are justified, brought into right relationship with God, not by our own actions, but by God's actions, especially God's free gift of Jesus Christ. That matters because we don't have to do the impossible we don't have to be good enough, thanks be to God. 
And we've considered the grace, the unmerited favor of being made God's children. And not just our own selfish, lonesome self, but along with everyone else, no matter which this or that we're tempted to reduce them to. That matters because, like the ball that Amanda had, what could be more gracious than to be welcomed into God's own so much bigger than us family? There's still one noun to deal with. The special phrase's final word, faith. In our text, Paul writes to the Galatians about how the world once waited until faith would be revealed. And then he talks about now that faith has come, faith then is another something we're not expected to do. It's something that is revealed to us, something that comes to us. In fact, it's something Jesus demonstrated perfectly, as well as something he inspires. And Paul writes that it is through faith that we are all children of God. So maybe think of faith as confident trust that lets us receive and respond to God's grace. Not living up to God's grace, which we can't possibly do, but living into God's grace. Feeling that grace as it draws us into God's family. Feeling how it empowers us to live in constant, fruitful perception of God's presence. Surely that matters. For all we do to be done in awareness of God's grace, that is certainly faith that matters to me. All of which brings us back to where we started, the beautiful, powerful phrase, justification by grace through faith. Part of how I learned to think of that as more than five words to be memorized in the correct order comes from something that Dr. Bartlett did at the beginning of each course. There in the first week of the semester on that day when you're reviewing the syllabus and clarifying the assignments and confirming the schedule, Dr. Bartlett would establish his relationship with us by explaining one thing in particular. He'd say, my grading policy is this, deserve the grace you will receive. Invariably, someone would raise a hand, what exactly does that mean? And with a rather Gandalf smile, Dr. Bartlett would say, deserve the grace you will receive. It pains me to report that some class members translated that as, all right, easy A. But most class members were inspired and responded by dedicating themselves that much more to the challenging classwork, to more or less deserving the grace that we did receive. Now, Professor Gandalf is not God. When he said, deserve the grace you will receive, he referred to grace that is measured in letter grades. Still, like God's grace, 
Dr. Bartlett's grace was a done deal before we walked into class. It was not dependent on us and our efforts. And if we believed that, trusted that, had, if you will, faith in that as the nature of our relationship with our teacher, then we could expand and spend the entire semester living into the gifts of that class. Though we could not earn it, we could respond to that promise by dedicating ourselves to receiving its grace and making good and fitting use of it. That matters. And that is how I pray we all go through life actively, joyfully, fruitfully, gratefully, faithfully living into God's grace, which without us doing anything has brought us into right relationship with God who has already welcomed us, all of us, into the family. Thanks be to God. Amen.